Hey Manitoba Ville, this is Mahangel, and we're talking today to Karen McSherry, who uh, is the, she's the executive director of Cross Country Ski Association of Manitoba. That's CCSAM. And they have a website, ccsam.ca. So go there, learn how to ski, learn how to cross country ski. It's, uh, it's one of the funnest things you can do in the winter. Um... You can uh, go on a groomed trail. You can groom your own trail. You can uh, go, I guess you can go off trail, probably if you want. If you want to be a maverick, you want to be a maverick and go on your own way, you can. Because skis have been, wow, they've been used forever in Nordic countries and northern countries to get around and, you know, make your way across the snow, <laughs> a snowy landscape. That's a lot of fun. So, yeah, we're going to talk to Karen about all things ski-related stuff. As, you know, we don't make sense on this show when I introduce stuff, so why start now? Okay, so if you are new to the show, you can uh, subscribe. We appreciate that. You can rate and review. You can tell all your friends. You can uh, find us on social media. Um, just search Manitobaville, and you'll come across a bunch of stuff that we've... Uh, We've been looking at and doing. And, um, yeah, so uh, what else? Tell your friends. Tell your friends all around the world, uh, I guess, about this podcast, if they live in a Nordic country. If you got any Manitobans over in Sweden or Norway or Finland or Denmark, uh, Germany, Russia, uh, Iceland, Greenland, where else? All the big ones, all the big, big northern countries. I guess even in... Uh, the U.S., I guess they got a couple places. They get some snow. <laughs> I'm thinking of uh, Colorado, Montana. Um, any Manitobans out there, give them a holler and say, hey, tune in. Maybe they'd learn something about skiing and get out and uh, take a little twirl through the snow. Okay, so there you go. Um, just before we get to our interview with Karen McSherry, we're going to ask uh, if you want to advertise on the show just let us know who you are visit manitobaville.ca you can suggest all kinds of stuff through the website and particularly if you want to become an advertiser so if you do um yeah it, it, this is how it works so um yeah uh, where's the snow Karen? <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> it's on the way. Did you, yeah, did you, that you, much you, we know for sure. You guys remembered to put in the order? Yes, yes, yeah. every year. Because <laughs> I, I know when you want a certain weather to happen, you have to put the order in way in advance. So That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so cross-country ski, of course, is different from downhill. It's, it's done in the, I guess it's done on all kinds of terrain. So it's not really terrain, um, specific. Can you tell us just generally about cross country skiing? Oh, sure. I mean, yeah, it is different from, from downhill, of course, uh, mostly uh, a way of uh, literally going cross country on a pair of skis, uh, ty typically a groomed track. Um, there's two, um, techniques, classic technique, which, um, everyone is probably familiar with two tracks in the snow, um, sort of shuffling along in a diagonal stride situation. And then there's a skate ski technique, uh, which looks similar to uh, skating on ice skates, slightly different. Obviously, you've got two long boards attached to your feet. But uh, yeah, those are your two basic techniques of cross-country skiing. Oh, cool. And yeah, you can basically cross-country ski anywhere uh, you like. Um, uh, groom trail or off the groom trail um, uh, as long as you can traverse so with uh, two long boards on your feet you, you can cross country ski there <laughs> <laughs> cool so um, what's the history of cross country skiing for anybody who may not know oh goodness um, I'm not a historian so <laughs> <laughs> you stumped me I, I would literally have to google the history of cross country skiing yeah. It's a, it's a northern thing, right? More of a northern Euro kind of. Is it like a Swedish? Yes, Norway? I would say exactly. Yeah, yeah, that area of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess out of necessity, probably for for them, easier to traverse 
I guess back in the day before we had roads everywhere and snow plows right. and stuff like that. Is this a way of getting around? Way of getting around, um, slightly different than on snowshoes, which don't provide any glide. So going somewhere down a hill, um, you'd have the, the ability to slide down a hill and then at the same time be able to walk back up it, um, which is something that you can't typically do in a pair of snowshoes. Mm-hmm. So where, where, where someone got the idea of, hey, let's uh, strap some moose hide to the bottom of some boards and uh, we'll be able to travel through the steep snow better than with our uh, traditional snowshoes. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where, where or when that happened. <laughs> is is that a thing? Like the, the moose hide on the bottom of skis? I was literally just watching a, a documentary <laughs> on Netflix, yeah. and uh, it's still still happening to this day. Of course, um, where was it? Somewhere in in Russia, and yes, um, um, strapping literally the the hide from a moose's leg onto uh, the bottom of uh, wood. Um, and yeah, the, the, that hair, which is actually similar to what you can see today in classic skis that uh, don't require, oh, what do we call them? <clears throat> oh, drawing a blank. Skin skis is what we call them, okay. um, where you've got, you've got some material on the bottom of the ski in the grip zone, where typically we would apply a grip wax. Oh, okay. And now, now you can buy skis. I mean, you've always been able to buy skis that are waxless, mm-hmm. um, and they would have a, a like a herringbone, um, uh, herringbone, um, like a pattern. pattern. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, when you push back, it grips, feet. but when it's moving exactly, forward, it slides. Exactly. I guess that's yeah. what the so now, yeah, that's what the hide would do. I guess it would be it would be a, a short exactly. nap, but it would be angled. So Perfect, you just angle yeah. it back, so you grip and then slide forward. Oh, that's wild! Yeah, mm-hmm. no yeah, pun intended. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> In retrospect. <laughs> okay, I, I never knew about that, and I don't know. I don't know why. I guess I just never stumbled across that particular info. But that that's neat. Yeah. Do you, it, and do you guys? Is there a historical aspect? Like, do you find people who? join the associations or, or join the groups, um, you know, find these kind of interesting skis and, and bring them out and use them and get other people oh. like, exposed <laughs> to the ideas? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Mm. Like, do you mean the, these, the, these types of skis with moose hide at the bottom of them? Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> what we see now is, um, you know, the old uh, wooden skis that uh, you'd have to pine tar, apply a pine tar to the bottom of them and people still, Still have those skis and still i think use them although there's there's not too many that's a bit of nostalgia yeah yeah because i've seen sometimes on different places people selling they'll call them you know vintage or antique skis but i right. i look at them and i think those look in good shape and they could probably be still skied on you oh know. sure yeah yeah absolutely is the boot a, a, attachment a universal is it still with the uh no, um, there's so many different styles of boot attachment. Oh, okay. But the uh, the old three pin style is not is not um, really used anymore in cross country skis, but still used in back country skiing. Back okay, that's a whole new level now. <laughs> yeah, so I mean a wider ski, not groomed trails. Um, okay. And I'm not myself personally um, that knowledgeable on well on backcountry skiing or on telemark skiing, so I'm, I'm not sure the telemark binding system. But yeah, these are different types of um, skiing and, and different binding systems than we would typically see in a you know recreational cross country skier. <laughs> okay, telemark rings a bell in my head, but what does that mean? Telemark is um, you know basically taking a pair of cross country skis. Um, so not downhill skis, you've got the loose heels, but you don't have an edge or maybe there's a slightly different edge and you can take these skis and, and uh, go, go uphill and also go downhill. But the technique is very different because the, the, uh, I believe there's no edge on the ski and uh, you have a loose heel. So the, the technique of, of traversing downhill in a telemark fashion is very different than you would see someone on a pair of alpine skis. Uh, something we might see in an old James Bond movie or something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Some awkward thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, okay. So I've just learned a whole bunch. This is so neat. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> moose hide and uh, pine tar. <laughs> Why, oh, pine tar for right. grip, right? That's what you're saying? The, I, the I think. I, again, I don't even know. Yeah, but it would never... just go in the grip area, I guess. So you wouldn't use it in the glide spot. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it does sound very grippy. I was like, what, what, how, how do they... Uh, um, how do they uh, apply? What do they apply to to have the, the gliding uh, in the glide zone of a pair of wooden skis? I, yeah. Again, I, Strange. terrible. I, I do not know. <laughs> I guess it's a hidden miss thing over the years, though. People would would experiment or just use things at hand. So it's probably sure. real made by hand, or nothing of, at all, as it were. Yeah, just wood. Yeah, just hope right. for the best. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Well, I do know. I'll, I, I do know. Um, one of my sisters showed me way back when I was a kid. She came home for Christmas or something and had skis. And uh, that, the, yeah, and the skis you have the front of, and the the front portion and the rear portion, which are your glide parts. And she she would say, yeah, I got to use this kind of wax on those parts, and then you have to use this different grip grip wax in the middle. But she also, I think, said that um, you have to use different for different snow types. You pick different waxes. Yes, that's right. Yeah, each wax has a, a, a temperature range. That, so you would use the, the, the wax uh, with the temperature range on the day that you're skiing. Okay, how many, how many different waxes would you, like how many are in your collection, for example? Uh, too many, um, especially <laughs> since I, I, I don't wax my skis as often as I, I should. So the, the, the glide wax is not something you're typically doing every time you go out ski i mean some people do you know some people take it to uh, a different level right mm -hmm. um but for the average uh, recreational cross-country skier in fact it depends on the skis that you have and how much wax the the base of those skis will actually uh accept um you could be waxing the glide area of your skis once or twice a season at most um but the grip area is the one that uh, you're going to notice uh, the most. So the grip areas, uh, an area that you would strip the wax off of and then apply grip wax for the day. And then, well, by the time you finish skiing, the just skiing alone is, um, it's taking the grip wax off of the base of the bottom of your ski. So sometimes you have to reapply halfway through your, your, your session, depending on how long you're skiing that day. Wow. But, um, okay. yeah, yeah. And I guess that makes your skiing day better too, if you can actually get some grip when you push off. Um, yes, it's very frustrating when you don't have grip. Yeah. Do you see people often out that that are still learning the basics of waxing and and things like that? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of. Um, sometimes you see people who uh, think that the grip wax gets applied from tip to tail. So essentially, they've just got a pair of very awkward, long, skinny snowshoes on, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and that, that's not helpful. That's yeah. not helpful. And, uh, but, you know, as long as you know, just like your sister told you, where to put the grip wax and mm -hmm. you've got the right, right temperature of grip wax on for the day, then you should be good. But, yes, there's always uh, this difference between new snow, which is a lot grippier, and old snow, which uh, is a lot slipperier. Right. So sure. sometimes you might have to use a grip wax that is uh, temperature range a lot warmer than the air temperature, because really what's important is uh, the temperature of the snow and the uh, moisture content of the snow that you are skiing on. Oh, interesting. Hey, where would somebody go if they were, you know, they just spend a frustrating day on skis or they're going to go skiing and they don't want to have a frustrating day? Is there things on YouTube or, or on your websites or anything where they can check it out and sort of get the, the basics so they can visualize how skis work and, and what their what their goal is with uh, preparing their skis? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of places to go. YouTube, for sure. YouTube's got everything on there now, right? So that that's one place to go. Um, our our website um, has a, a page and some um, pages on uh, that kind of information. Um, you can go to uh, your local retailer if you're looking to purchase the equipment and and get some uh, basic knowledge there. You can go uh, to your local, definitely to your local ski club and uh, ask them and if you have a friend that skis it's a good uh, resource as well <laughs> yeah exactly so okay so what kind of um trails are out there for people once they get their skis figured out 
sure. In Manitoba, I mean, our website, we list all of the ski trails that we know about <clears throat> on our website. And uh, there's there's a number in and around the city of Winnipeg and uh, and then beyond, depending on, on where you're living or, or how far you want to travel. Okay. And I'll just tell people the website is ccsam.ca, correct? That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's Cross Country Ski Association of Manitoba. Okay. Right. Um, and what I see, there's a lot of different regions on your website too. So, is there a, a protocol to getting involved? No. Um, sorry, I don't know what you mean by regions. Oh, it's just it's got the regions on here, like Winnipeg region, South region, East. Oh West. yeah, that's just to yeah help you if you are in the north and you don't really want to know where the to ski in the south because that's not you can just sort of skip ahead to that <laughs> that area okay um but no i mean um uh like i say sometimes the best way of going about it is to find out if there's a club in your area and, and contact them and find out how to get involved with, with with that club or what programs they might be offering okay um, otherwise um and can people you know, join your group as well the ccsam uh, yes, they can. I mean, typically um, people don't join our association directly. Our, our, our membership, um, we, we have a few sort of different types of memberships. Um, most people are members of a club, which is affiliated with us. But we do have this, um, not, not new, but uh, we're rethinking uh, the definition of our associate membership which um, so what I'm saying, long way of saying that, yes, uh, soon, not, not at this point, because we haven't set it up yet, you will be able to just join our association. But um, the real value to a person in joining would be to join a club. Okay. And um, so what's the, um, what percentage do you think of people in Manitoba, Manitobans, um, are part of ski clubs or actually ski these days? Oh, I, that's a really good question. I would say that, um, I, to be honest with you, I would be absolutely guessing that probably less than half the people who ski are an active member or have, have, have joined a local ski club in Manitoba. So we have just over, typically just over 2,000 members um, but I would say that there's far more than 2,000 people who have a pair of cross-country skis and, and use them at least once once a year, if, if not more. So the number of people skiing far outnumbers the number of people who are members of ski clubs. Uh, so even that would be, you know, five or 10,000 people, I guess, out of all our people. Wow. So, should be, yeah. So people should, there's still probably a lot of people who have never experienced it too. Yeah, 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 that could be. What would you say to those people? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I would say to those people, they're probably people who would prefer to just stay indoors all winter. They just don't want to get out there. It's too cold. It's too whatever. And uh, cross-country skiing is just another alternative activity to get you outside, uh, get you active, get you into nature and uh it just has so many health both physical and mental health benefits that um you know if you're looking to not hibernate for the rest of the winter then it's definitely something to uh, check out yeah and i guess people overcome their fear of winter too when you have an activity that involves you know thinking about your wax finding the right kind of skis dressing appropriately learning about layers and you know then and then looking outside and hoping there's snow there so they can go and do it. Right. And, uh, yeah. So, so probably a mental, like you say, mental overcoming your, your, uh, what, what do you call those mental, um, mental health issues, <laughs> I guess. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. people say, Oh, I, I see on the weather channel, they're always saying, well, they're anthropomorphizing weather now to make it seem like, <laughs> That storm is is really mad at you, and it's coming right. for you, and it's gonna envelop us and pound us and 
punish us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Leave it's behind really frustrating. A bunch of snow and oh my God. And it's like, well, that's yeah. good. That's a good thing. You it's know, a good thing. Yeah. 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 It's, a, it's frustrating to listen to, uh, to reports like that. I mean, the weather is the weather. <laughs> Yeah, and then people get upset about it. You go into a store and they go, "Oh, sorry about the weather," and it's like, "What do you care? You're inside." Right. <laughs> and besides, it's really nice, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's perfect skiing weather. Yeah. So, um, does that? I get. I don't know. That probably doesn't bug you because you get out and ski. You probably have a good attitude towards it. But do you see people change their their attitudes and minds towards winter just by getting involved in themselves in skiing at whatever level? Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, once once you involve yourself in an activity outside in the winter, um, your mind is expanded and uh, you start learning um, more about the reality of, of winter weather and the effect of um, um, if it's a windy day and that, that can make it, yes, of course, that will make it seem a lot colder if you're standing on top of a building. but when you're when you're in the bush (laughs) and especially if that sun is shining all of a sudden yes it might be minus 20 uh, degrees celsius outside but uh, uh, you'll be sweating and uh, and not not feeling that cold at all whereas it's it's easy to sit inside and look at the the weather your weather app and see minus 20 and think that's too cold to go outside but uh, Mm -hmm. when you do get out there uh, you start realizing that that isn't too cold, um, depending on where you are and, and what your activity is. Exactly. I always used to watch weather forecasters stand in air-conditioned studios in the summer when it's plus 35 <laughs> and totally humid and saying, oh, it's so nice out. <laughs> so, right. Like, that person hasn't been actually outside at all today. <laughs> air-conditioned right. house, air-conditioned car, air-conditioned studio, beautiful yeah. day. It's like really, yeah. <laughs> at least in winter, you can always dress in layers and in the summer, right. you, you get yeah, the it's last hard. layer you can't take off at all. So it's like, yeah. It's dying. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, the other thing you're talking about, yeah, when you get out and you're active in the winter, you're actually warming your body up and, mm-hmm. and it's like, it's like a chopping wood where you, you, mm-hmm. where you go and prepare your wood pile, but you don't chop the wood outside to store it because then it, it takes on too much moisture. So you chop it the day you're going to use it. And they say chopping wood, using wood warms you twice. That wood warms you twice because you, <laughs> right. you, you build up, <laughs> you get all sweaty yeah. chopping it and then you take it into, to burn it and heat your house. So, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I guess, you know, nowadays, uh, a lot of people aren't used to that, the physical active part of things. They want instant gratification out of, out of electronic boxes. <laughs> yeah, it seems that way. <laughs> so, <laughs> So, um, uh, what else about skiing in Manitoba should people know? Cause there's probably a lot of stuff I'm not even aware that I'm not asking right now. What kind of things would you tell people? Um, that, I mean, that there's a lot of places that you can ski. And so if you, you don't know, then, then find out. And like I say, our website will tell you all the, the, the ski trails in Manitoba that we know about. Um, and so we always invite people to let us know if they know of a ski trail that isn't on our, our, our list. So, you know, finding out where to ski, um, people are, are, are always asking about buying used equipment. Mm. Um, they think that they're going to save some money on buying used equipment, but, um, I, I actually, um, would advise that if, if skiing is something that you're actually interested in doing, even if it's only a few times in a winter, if you're not committed to going, you know, once or twice a week all winter long, I mean, yeah, that, that might not be uh, realistic. So it mm-hmm. depends on, on, on your lifestyle. But even if you're planning on going a few times every winter, it really is um, economical to just purchase new, go to your local ski shop, uh, talk about, you know, what type of skiing you're going to do and just purchase a, a set of equipment that will uh, quite literally could last you the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have a pair of ski. I'm still skiing on skis that I bought 20 years ago. Really? Um, and, and yeah, yeah. So it is, it, it's, it's, it's an investment, um, that you know, it's not something that, Oh, next, next year I'm, I'm going to grow out of, or mm. I'm not going to want these anymore. If you buy 
if you buy what you actually need, then you'll you'll have it for for almost a lifetime. And if you don't like it, you can always sell it to someone who's looking for something used. But if you don't know what you're buying, buying used can be very you 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 could potentially waste your money because you've now bought something that actually isn't what you need. Okay, um, let's so, un let's yeah. unpack that like a like a picnic yeah. lunch you take when you go skiing all day. Um, <laughs> what do you look for when you buy skis? Are they is there a certain length you should have, or a certain width, or a certain? What are you yeah, looking for? Yeah, yeah, all, all of it. I mean, the the, the camber of the ski. Uh, let let's just take your classic skis. Um, uh, as an example, because most people, if they're entering into the sport, they're, they're going to buy classic skis. Okay. Not necessarily, but either way, both skate and classic, they have a camber. So that's that's the um, sort of the bow in the ski. If you were to place a ski on the ground, the whole thing doesn't have contact with the ground. The tip of the tail is contacting the ground, and the middle section is raised above the ground, right? Okay. So that's the camber. So if you're a heavier person, you know, 200 plus pounds, you need a, a, a camber that is quite stiff so that when you step on that ski, you're not dragging it into the ground and, mm -hmm. and thereby not having any glide whatsoever. Okay. Um, so kids and, aren't going to put on their dad's ski or whatever and have a fun exactly, time. Exactly. Because yeah. they're, they're not going to get any grip at all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, so that's the camber of the ski. And so that is dictated by your weight um, and not by your height and a, a lot of um, times you, it used to be that you know you will stand by the ski raise your arm in the air and if the ski reaches your wrist that should be the right ski for you and that's kind of still an okay way of maybe guesstimating whether this ski is going to work for you or not I mean obviously if if you're five foot two inches tall you're not going to use a 200 centimeter ski because that's just obviously too big but again, it's the camber. It's not the length of the ski that determines mm. whether it's good for you. It's the camber. So there's that. And, and, and ski shops have camber testers, and it's a very easy process to determine whether that ski is the right ski for you. Okay. Um, the first step, though, is, is, is a pair of boots because um, right. there's a lot of ac action going on with your foot in the boot and blisters. Of course, we've all had blisters and we know how painful they are and debilitating and, mm -hmm. and you don't want those. So you need a pair of boots that fit you with your heels, not slipping out of, out of the heel, you know, part and, uh, and the toes aren't being crammed that you can wear a pair of um, warm socks and, and not be, um, have, have, you know, have enough um, wiggle room in the toes so you've got some airspace to keep your feet warm. Um, so sometimes that can be tricky, right? Because you think, mm -hmm. oh, I want my feet warm, so I don't want to use a boot that's too small, but then you use a boot that's too big, and then your foot's sort of sliding around in there and getting right. blisters. So, so, so if you're going pair, to the shoe store, it's the same kind mm -hmm. of thing. You want somebody mm -hmm. who's, who's knowledgeable and, and trying them on you and looking for things you might not think about. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, so the boot, boot's the first. And once you find a pair of boots that uh, fit and they're perfect for you, um, that might dictate, well, that will dictate the type of binding that goes onto the ski that you, that you purchase and bindings. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter what binding there are different types of bindings, but one type isn't any better than the other. Mm -hmm. Um, but you, th that is an important consideration that the, the boot will dictate what binding is on the ski. So, um, and the binding's only on, it's in front of the toe, right? Like, then that's the only place you'll find the binding on the boot. Yeah, I mean, the binding is, is the thing that gets attached to the ski, and mm -hmm. then your boot clips into the binding at the toe. At yeah, the toe, yeah. So people know yeah. that your mm -hmm. whole foot actually can, can almost go perpendicular to the ski as you ski. Almost, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, that, it's, it's not a good situation if, that, if that's happening, but <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> the heel is loose on there, yeah. <laughs> okay. Lessons later, we'll get the, the boot on right. there first. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah, get that equipment buying new is, is, is really actually a good idea. Um, and if you're not sure whether you want to take up the sport, then try and find a place where you can rent and, and mm -hmm. then decide. Um, but buying used, uh, really, if you don't know what you're buying, then buying used can be very tricky. Right. Um, even if the so, boot has yeah. a stripe on it and you think it'll go faster. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> There's other things going on you might not know about. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And the next advice is just to find, you know, hopefully you know someone who skis. Um, I think that, you know, just going 
skiing with a friend who, who knows what they're doing, that's just, um, that, that, that's just a really good way of going about it. And if you just don't know anyone, then like I say, find a club or find, uh, um, uh, here, if you're here in Winnipeg, Windsor Park Nordic Center has lessons. Um, mm-hmm. There's also people who, that's what they do in the winter. They, they, uh, they're um, certified instructors. So you can even, you know, it, you can contact the, the ski association and get hooked up with an instructor in a, in a private situation. But really, if you're in Winnipeg, Windsor Park Nordic Center is the place to go. And if you're outside of Win- uh, Winnipeg, finding a local club um, or even a local, uh, you know, ski shop um, or finding a friend to take you skiing. Are the poles important too? The poles are important. Yeah. I mean, for beginners, they're important. It does help with the balance. <clears throat> the poles aren't there to keep your balance. The poles are just actually really there to help propel you forward. Um, but, you know, they do obviously help with uh, that transition of, of balance. You, you, you will be required to, to uh, balance on a, a sliding ski. So for some people, that's a brand new experience. If you're a, a, a skate skier, mm-hmm. um, if you if you know how to you know skate on ice skates, then mm-hmm. then you have that uh, that sort of physical literacy already built in. But if it's brand new to you, then uh, balancing on a something that's sliding forward is is a, is a new experience. Which brings me to my next. Um, I used to always say. Uh, that anyone can cross-country ski. I mean, literally, um, if, if, if you can put the skis on your feet and, and go for a walk, then, then you can go skiing. And that, that is true. Um, but one thing to keep in mind, and, and again, it's that balance thing on, a, on something that's slipping, uh, you, you need to be prepared to fall. Mm-hmm. So if you have any issues, you know, bone brittleness or, or something, it, you know, anything that uh, is something to consider, you, you, be prepared to fall right and yeah because because when you fall on skis it's like you it's like falling over like normally but you it's uh it's like you're taking part of the floor with you and if you and, and you can't just move your feet wherever it's like everything gets right. tangled and and that can lead yeah, to there's, strains yeah, and sprains so. yeah for sure yeah <laughs> crazy and do you find um do you find this cross-country skiers are more liked than motor or a skidoo people when they're on private land or they cross over, you know, if you're out skiing and, and maybe you, you're, you've wandered off the trail a bit and you find yourself on private land or are people more tolerated than other type of winter sports people? <laughs> you mean, are, are, it, <laughs> if you accidentally find yourself on private land yeah. uh, on, on a pair of skis, as opposed to on a snowmobile, I mean, maybe, <laughs> I guess it depends on whose private land you just wandered into. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but there, there is, I suppose, a, 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 a cross-country skier, I suppose, uh, would look a little more vulnerable than somebody on a skidoo. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're on somebody's winter weed or in their, with their horses <laughs> right. or something. Yeah. Right. Somehow. Yeah. Is there, um, yeah, I don't, uh, I guess there is a lot of, people who have land that they just people ski on right just like any anything else uh, do you find people like landowners are open the, open their lands up to uh to ski trails um i I'm, I'm trying to think of of places to ski that are on private land and yes there 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 is a couple you know on a, on a list of places to ski from our website um but most of the time it's either uh crown land um that a ski club has um you know an agreement to to groom mm-hmm. those trails like in a provincial park or mm-hmm. or, or 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 whatnot or some um, towns do it i know too yeah they they'll exactly. turn their golf courses into ski trails during mm-hmm. the winter yeah. yeah 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 what's the nicest place so yeah it's a skied? combination oh the nicest place that's hmm. in manitoba don't say the Rocky Mountains yeah. or uh, Peru. Right, or <laughs> right. Yeah, it'd be a hard. Uh, that's a hard one. There's uh, there's a lot of great places. Um, it depends, I guess, too, on 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 what type of skiing 
you want to do, right? Do you want to see more flat, not not too many hills, or do you like the hills? And so that will dictate whether you know this place is better than that place. Or <laughs> okay, let me let me zone, <laughs> let me zoom in a little bit here. Okay, what what was your favorite experience so far, uh, cross country skiing in Manitoba? Um, I've had great skis at, uh, and well, it's maybe ironic, but it's not in Manitoba. It's Mount Evergreen, uh, the Kenora, uh, ski club. That's um, yeah, in Kenora. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. It's lovely there. Of course, um, uh, Falcon Lake, um, ski area is, is actually, yeah. Yeah. If I had to answer the question that way, I would say Falcon Lake, but the best skiing that I've done uh, in, in memory in the last few years was a ski a few years ago at Falcon Lake. It was just it was just a combination of a beautiful day and that's a beautiful area of the world, of course, and uh, uh, everything. All the stars aligned. It's a great day of skiing. <laughs> nice, yeah. And it, and that that's the other thing too is it leaves you with such good memories. You just want to get out there again and go find other places. So it can lead to a whole lifestyle shift for people. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no end of places to go explore on a pair of skis, so um, it doesn't get boring. That's for sure. What do you recommend people take with them? So when you get out of your car, or your truck, or whatever, and, you, and you're, you got your, of course, your clothes, you're, you're layered up. You got your skis, your waxes are on, your your poles and everything. You're ready to go. What else would you take with you, or recommend people take with them? Yeah, I mean all of that stuff, and it also depends on you know, what your plan is for the day. Are you just skiing on a 5k loop over and over again? Or are you going out for a 30k ski and you won't be back to your car for another few hours? Right. So mm-hmm. you need water. Can't go out without water. You need, you need energy. It's, it's, it's like going for a, a jog or a run, depending on how fast you know you're going or how much energy you are personally expending to get there. You'll need to uh, replenish those energy stores with, uh, you know, food food and water mm-hmm. definitely so you've got your backpack or a fanny pack or something that is carrying that plus your extra waxes plus whatever extra clothes you might need like you say layering is important so you might be taking off layers or putting on layers so you need to consider when um when you might be doing that and if you need to bring an extra couple layers or or if you wanted to take a couple extra layers off where are you going to store those as you continue to ski right um so yeah food and water and you know you're you're out um if you're by yourself which i don't always recommend of course but if you are then just make sure that people know where you're going and how long you're going to be gone so that if god forbid you don't come back right. <laughs> they can come looking for you start um, <laughs> it, right but you know best to, to ski with a buddy of course and have some means of communicating with the outside world mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just like anything where you're going out in, in, into the wilderness, a small first aid kit, um, yeah, just keeping yourself safe. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I guess, um, I'm just trying to think something went through my mind when I was, I was listening to you and it was relevant, but I, I can't remember what it was now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hate when it happens. <laughs> I just walked into a room in my mind and I don't know why I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I guess with, um, yeah, like, like being in communication now there's cell cell service, most places, which I guess is good and bad. Cause you don't really want to get a phone call when you're out trying to enjoy the day right. and get away from all that. But on the flip side, yeah. If, if something happens, you can always turn a phone on and, and uh and get some help but um um yeah it's uh what was it there's something about that hmm skiing with a buddy yeah. letting someone know that where you are if you're not skiing with buddy yeah just getting out there what to take with yeah. you things like that yeah. Oh, oh, is there? Yeah, here it is. It just, it just, okay. it just slid right back in, just seamlessly, so, <laughs> as if I never had an issue. <laughs> okay. the, uh, are there, are there things like orienteering contests for cross country skiers where, 
where you have to use a map and compass and get from point A to point B and maybe do things along the middle. Is there any anything like that which offers a challenge for uh, maybe experienced skiers or, or for novices who want to work up to a certain level of ability? Like the things that would, instead of just going out for exercise and, and um, you know, all the, all the good things that come with going skiing, but things then that people want to layer on top, like, oh, now here's a challenge, right? Go and right. go and find all these things and we'll time you and whatever. And somebody gets a prize at the end or not. But, you know, maybe it's a reason for like-minded people to get together and challenge themselves. Are, are there things like that happening? Not that I know of, but that sounds like a fantastic idea. <laughs> <laughs> Especially this winter, you know, with, uh, yeah, potentially no events um happening or maybe they will be happening but we just don't know right at this yeah. point um yeah and i no, guess this is a like physical a distancing idea. sport right like skiing is by nature mm-hmm. physical distance you're not skiing right beside somebody you know? yes exactly yeah yeah wow. yeah the sport itself uh, it lends itself well to uh being physically distant i mean the, mm-hmm. the skis the poles uh, <laughs> even the ski tracks you know side by side mm-hmm. um if, if 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 they aren't all already spaced uh, two meters apart, then they certainly will be this year for people who are grooming the ski trail. Is, is that <clears throat> is that something you just thought of, or is that going to happen for sure? That you've heard? No, that will that will that will happen for sure. So people yeah. have thought of that. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That see, that's mm-hmm. that's that's, that's mm-hmm. really thinking. Like that's really thinking, right? <laughs> you know, thinking ahead. Right. And, <laughs> yeah, because right. right. it would be terrible to groom a whole trail and then it's only three feet apart or something. You know, right and then yeah look back and yeah go, ah, you know why do we do that yeah um, yeah okay uh yeah because i remember i remember growing up as a kid in the 70s 80s and that mostly in the 70s they'd have skidoo parties uh somebody you know host the skidoo party everybody bring their skidoo over and then they would play poker but they'd have to skidoo to different farms and uh, draw a poker hand and then right and then people would bring prizes and things like that and uh and then, yeah, everybody do this kind of event where it'd take all day to be all skidooing. And it was more of a reason to get, I don't know, people were skidooing anyway, but it seemed like a community activity you could do. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so I guess skiers yeah. could think of that too, like have a ski party and, you know, in the countryside or something and have, uh, you know, go around and collect things. And then at the end, I just remember everybody got uh, drunk at the end. That was the team to be right. the, the real reason, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was back in the day right <laughs> yeah mothers against drunk skidoers so mads, right. mads. but um <laughs> yeah so okay so so yeah so there isn't things like that happening yet but i guess we can put the bug in people's ear and say you know take your your ski club to the next level and uh yeah, I mean, I should say that, I mean, a lot of the ski clubs do have, and when you say poker derby, yes, there was a, a, a club uh, a number of years ago that had an annual, exactly that, a poker derby. And there are other clubs that uh, have, um, in the ski world, it's called Loppets, L-O-P-P-E-T. Okay. Um, and so it's a similar situation. I mean, it, n- nowadays we sometimes use the word loppet and it becomes really just another word for a ski race. But mm. uh, the loppet really is a, uh, a, a kind, of, kind of like a tour situation. And sometimes we call it a ski tour. And basically just an event, like you say, it's a community um, type of thing where, you know, there's not necessarily prizes, but, um, you know, you do come, come to our ski area and, and uh, ski for however long you like, and then and then come join us at the clubhouse for for some food and, and uh, relaxation, you know that sort of thing. That that does happen um, quite a bit in, at the ski club level. Mm-hmm. But of course now with the COVID winter, um, they're all just trying to think of how how is that going to work, or yeah. can that actually work? So so right now the ski clubs are 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 trying to think of ways of you know still having that community um vibe going at, at the ski club level um certainly uh, ski trails can be open but uh, yeah. the community aspect of it is is uh, a different story this winter so the main thing is just to keep people that do ski to keep them going and then to maybe keep encouraging mm-hmm. other people and showing them it's a safe activity right yeah, yeah. exactly 
Okay. And I guess uh, the level up, so when people join a ski club, they learn how to ski, they learn uh, proper equipment and techniques and waxing and all that. Um, I guess yeah. there's it's, it's uh, there's organized cross-country skiing. There must be in Manitoba for people who want to go on to, like whether it's the Olympics or or uh, what's what would the other level be? Is there... Yeah, I mean, you know, national national team yeah. is, is where you know you you set your sights on, on that. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, definitely. There's a, uh, in a typical year we would have a, a race calendar, a calendar of events with uh, races locally, and then we have a, a, a committee of people um, that uh, are dedicated to um, developing you know athletes and coaches in the province and. Uh, and we select uh, teams of athletes to go to um, races outside of the province, um, Eastern or Western championships, national championships, this type of thing. And we do training camps and, and, and that usually. <laughs> right. And then they can go, well, yeah, not this year, but typically they would, I guess they could race in Europe and different in, in the States and different places. So, right. Yeah. So it's kind of a launching pad, I guess, for all, all that kind of, you know, I, I doubt you'd find anybody who did that that didn't start at a local ski club. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And do they come back then? And, and like when they retire from uh, an amateur or professional career, do you find they come back and, and really boost ski clubs and help people get started? Yes, quite often. Yeah. Yeah. That does happen. It's, um, it's real lifestyle type of um, activity. Uh, so you don't often see um, people going to that level or, or really any level and, and not um, and, 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 you know, either burning out and just picking another sport entirely. Right. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's something you kind of do for life and you take it to the level that you want to take it. And, and when that's done, then uh, you'll still always be a cross country skier. <laughs> it gets your blood. Uh, what's the youngest yeah. skier you ever, you ever found that was doing a good job? <laughs> that just amaze you. you you're just staring and going oh my god that's so great <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i guess it depends on the kid right but uh yeah i mean uh six years old yeah you've seen kids yeah. just amazing you that's what their technique yeah and sure ability. yeah yeah, yeah what's true. the oldest person you've ever seen skiing that was having fun oh uh, in 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 the ski world uh the famous oldest person is uh is, is no longer with us but he was skiing i believe until he was 105 wow uh jack rabbit johansson okay i've heard that name yeah okay, okay there you go yeah and where was he i believe norway i i should know it's okay. actually quite embarrassing someone you know, oh that's okay yeah who, uh, I do. I, it's cross country skiing. It's it's funny because the notable things that it's associated with. There was a Norwegian skier who won all kinds of uh, Olympic medals and all every race because he had an abnormal mm -hmm. red blood count um, in his body, and they say right. his skin actually was almost a reddish hue to it. But he he produced so many red blood cells he could just go and go and go and never got tired. <laughs> but then he, then he picks cross-country skiing as a sport and because uh, i guess it takes the most endurance right right yeah it's it, yeah definitely an endurance sport for sure yeah. and uh and of course the, the fittest people in the world yeah yeah you don't <laughs> yeah they look fit and that's <laughs> you know i, I and it's, it's funny because it's so it's such a romantic notion to say oh i'm gonna go cross-country skiing and in your mind, it builds this pastoral and beautiful and leisure kind of activity, and of course, like most things that sound good, it takes a lot of a lot of energy and work, and um, but that yeah. becomes its own its own pleasure too. And I guess even if you're not going at a high level, the more fit you do become, the more the pastoral side of it takes over, and, and you can get out there and enjoy it. And see the, That's right. See yeah. The scenery. Yeah. That's right. Okay, and then I'll just end on the most famous cross-country ski incident was, was a Canadian skier in the Olympics gave her ski pole to an opponent who had broken theirs. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the specifics of that, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, generous nature of, of skiers. Right, yeah, 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 for sure.
And again, why Canada is the best country in the world and Manitoba is the best province yeah. in Canada. And, uh, <laughs> <right>. Things like <laughs> that. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, so I'd like to encourage anybody to get, you know, go to ccsam.ca and, uh, and get localized and find somebody to talk to and get started for sure. Because uh, it's the winter, I think, to do that. People are looking for, for stuff to do. So, yeah, thank definitely. Thank you. Oh, what's your what's your job title within the association? You're Karen McSherry. You are the mm-hmm. executive director. Okay, and uh, so you're seeing everything top down. So that's awesome. <laughs> I'm glad there's associations because <laughs> for maps and yeah. for information and, and things like that, it's really helpful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. We try to be helpful. <laughs> okay. Do you have any parting words before you ski off into the sunset? <laughs> um, and it's a downhill. You won't have to. You'll be going downhill. Down oh to yeah, the, Whee! down to the chalet. And they have hot chocolate, I think. Hot chocolate and, and uh, hot chocolate and vina tarda. <laughs> Stay safe and get outside. Okay, thank you so much, Karen McSherry, for teaching me all the uh, bits and bobs about buying skis and how to prep them for uh, getting out there and and actually enjoying the day (laughs) instead of having to slog through uh, a bunch of bad decision-making. And that's the most important part of any sport or any activity. Learn how to do it and then, you know, experiment after that. (laughs) <laughs> Don't experiment before because you might not, you know, enjoy it and you might not come back to the sport at all. And that's not good because if you have a hankering that you might like it, yeah, take a course or talk to a, a somebody who's knowledgeable, figure out uh, your body type and get everything that works to make your experience the best because that's the best way to do it. Okay. Um, visit us on uh, social medias, Manitobaville. Subscribe to us on the podcatcher of your choice. That's Manitobaville. Rate, review, and tell your friends. And um, yeah, like that. So tune into another uh, episode here. There's lots to listen to. New ones coming soon. And um, hmm, yeah, life's fun. Life's interesting. Okay, this is the Manitobaville podcast. Uh, you're listening to Mahangel, and we are copyright 2022, Rodeo Road Studios.